Zone. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we're not exactly seeing clear skies today, and in fact, just because we're into spring doesn't mean Wisconsin is out of the reach of snow. I'm Pam Yankee. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for checking in. We'll check in with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, on more weather details in about 15 minutes. But honestly, you're going to have to pay attention to what's developing. Some of our listening area could see some measurable snow, maybe one to three inches before we hit the weekend. Today looks pretty manageable. Partly cloudy skies, 42. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 47. But then Saturday, everything seems to change just a little bit. Northeast Wisconsin right now has actually got an advisory out. They could see another 3 to 5 inches of snow, maybe even more in some areas of northeast Wisconsin. Southwest Wisconsin could also pick up some snow. A couple advisories that are out right now, for example, in Richland County, uh, they could pick up 1 to 3 inches of snow. We'll get a better bead on what's coming our way when Stu Muck joins us. Our weather looks really manageable compared to what some folks are living with on the West Coast. How is California agriculture handling all of the rain, all of the snow? Well, guess what? Carrie Mess has a dairy friend that's been trying to move cattle, avoiding the flooding situation that he's up against. That's just one story we've got coming your way. And we're also catching up with Ryan Yachman from Everag on a Thursday morning. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is the direction that the world is going. I know our customers really have to look at the bottom dollar. This needs to financially make sense, but this is one of those rare things that really it's not just nice for your wallet, but it's also nice for the planet and for the earth. And uh, it's pretty fun to be part of it. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Biological agriculture. It's been around quite a while, but I think it's become more of a buzzword as of late. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I caught up to Gary Zimmer. He is the father of biological agriculture. He touts himself, and he kind of grins when he says it. So what are we thinking when we're talking biological agriculture? Really, what does it mean? I got introduced to it when I was teaching at a technical college in Minnesota back in the 1970s and I started a business called Midwestern BioAg. We called it biologicals. We wanted the farmer to focus on life in the soil and not so much on the chemistry. And so then what that meant was, you know, you're paying attention to what you do if you want to grow and flourish and take care of the soil biology. So I've written several books and, and so I got, I didn't put the title on myself as the father of biological department. We're the first ones probably to put a business with that name and now there's regenerative and everybody trying to sell a biological product. I'm a systems guy. I'd rather say, what's your system of farming? Where are your minerals at? There's more than NPK. What about the other minerals? What are you doing for tillage? What are you doing for taking care of your biology? And look at the whole system of farming. And, and so whatever you call that, I don't think you can solve all agricultural problems with a bug, bugs in a jug or going out and spraying on some biologic. I think you need to look at your farming system, which means cover crops, which means putting minerals back in, which means feeding your soil life and taking care of them creating an ideal home for them. And you brought up feeding your soil. Yep. What does that kind of look like? 
Yeah, and I said, everybody thought for, you know, we have to put compost or some of these things on cover crops is kind of a no-brainer, and we tell, I'm with a group called Rye Revival, and rye in Wisconsin up here, what crop can we plant after corn and bean harvested? And there's only rye, but having living roots in the soil, some of the rules to regenerative biological farming and soil, NRCS soil health rules are spot on, you know, minimum disturbance, having living, having something growing on the soil all the time, having living roots into the soil. So we're really big on rye. Our farming system, my family farms in southwestern Wisconsin, and we radically different approach. We put a lot of effort into feeding our soil life. I think the day is coming out here. I think there's already work on it from Jerry Hatfield and his guys, professors in Iowa, about liquid carbon, the photosynthesis that goes on, and that we don't have to add complex carbons to sequester complex carbons in the soil. We need to feed the biology, and so if you got living plants putting juices in the soil, feeding the bacteria, the fungus, that they make the complex carbons, and I think that's getting to be the topics of the future. And just like uh, for years, I fought against a lot of people. Oh, we got a perfect farming system now, and I said, then why are we regenerating it? What are we regenerating? We're not necessarily regenerating more in N, P, and K. We're regenerating, getting the use of that N, P, and K that we added. We're regenerating the soil health. We're regenerating the soil root growth and the biology and the soil is what most people have to regenerate and adding minerals that they overlooked. So regenerating, does that follow right in with sustainability? Well, I think they both got what I call, I never liked the word sustainable. As I said today, you know, why would you want to sustain a mess? So I say regenerate it first. So what does that mean? It means different things for different people. Our biological farming, I have six rules. So I can, at least I got some guidelines. Now, you talk to people that got livestock, you've got to have livestock to be regenerative. And I said, well, there's a lot of people that have really fixed their soils and don't have livestock. We all got soil livestock below our feet. So regenerative means that there's something broken that we got to fix. And I think that's true for many, many, many pieces of land and many, many farmers. Like I said, so uh, I always say corn and soybeans are a failing farming system because we don't have enough root mass, we don't have enough plant diversity, and there's way too much bare soil. And so what no-till really does is put a, a blanket on top of the ground, which I think is real valuable. I can do that with cover crops, and I'm not opposed to using some chemistries in farming. I, I'm the one that says that no-till is not suited for all land. Organic is certainly not suited for all land, so we got to take care of the land the best we can. I think the consumer is going to have a say in what's going on and whether you like it or not or the environmentalists they want. People are getting sick out here and they all see the problems of runoff and they see erosion and there's some terrible erosion in Iowa. This rains we had recently, gullies through fields. There was a meeting of farmers last week and 40 farmers showed up. They know their soils are getting worse. Hey, corn and soybean guys, they know they have to do something different and so they need some guidance along the way so they're going to regenerate it with more plants having living roots in the soil, more biology and make sure tillage with a purpose. We, I like shallow incorporating residues and running a big deep ripper to make sure I got water infiltration. I got to get the water so I got to control air and water and manage the K residues. That's part of a farming system. So they're not all looking the same then. Your farming systems are all different. No, all different everywhere on the planet. I think there was an article in one of our farm magazines here, and I think that's what he said. If you're regenerative, is really about making better use of your inputs. And then he also said that there's a climate variation. If you're here in Osseo, Wisconsin, it's not the same. I was in Dalhart, Texas two weeks ago. I'm sorry, that's not the same until you, you might both want to regenerate, but you're going to have different soils, different climates, different crops, different water availability. So you can't have one shoe that fits everybody when you brought up your rules of biological farming what are they 
So they are, first of all, I want to take a salt test. We got to use science. We can't just throw our back on it, but I need a salt test, but I don't need to test every acre every year. I need to take a salt test to see where my minerals are at. I can, I can look at a salt to see if it's alive or not, or if there's life in it. I can see if there's earthworms in it. I can smell it to see if it's got a nice earthy smell to it. But so I start out with a salt test. Then I want to test more. We, we test for 13 different minerals. Then I want to say, what's your limiting factor? Salt testing is about finding out what you got too much of, you certainly wouldn't add more of. And if you're short something, let's add it. Let's bring everything up to a certain sufficiency level. And every lab agrees with that. Now, some people ignore the excesses, like we're on high magnesium soils and they might still use dolomitic lime when it's probably not the best choice. They should be using high calcium lime, in my opinion. But so salt testing is about finding out what you got too much of and what you're short of and get that fixed. But then we got to take care of the crop. So that might be your nitrogens, your crop fertilizers, your starter fertilizers, your foliars, your side dresses, whatever you do. But I want to choose minerals then that are more earth friendly, that are more buffered, that I don't want to use all those salts and ammonia. So we use different sources of minerals and then we go after soil correction and just like with crop fertilizer, I like to add carbon to my fertilizer. So so the first part of my rules is is getting a salt test, find out what I need, and then add better sources, and then I want to use carbon-based fertilizer. We use a lot of molasses mixed with our fertilizers on conventional farming and or organic farming, and then and or humates. I want to make sure I don't want to just add nutrients out there and, and hope the plant can get them. We want to get them in a carbon biological cycle. The second parts of my rules have to deal with biology. I've got to create an ideal home for the biology, and I got to feed them. And so that's why cover crops, I got to constantly feed. It could be compost, it could be livestock manure, it could be figuring out where in the farm that I can grow these cover crops. So I got something growing all the time to feed and take care of the biology. Or I can add inputs, like I said, compost and things, but I can also grow things on my farm. I don't have to input those. And then the last part, there's three parts of the world. It's chemical, physical, and biological. And so the physical part, I'm a real believer in shallow incorporating residues and running a deep ripper. So tillage to me, it's tillage with a purpose. What are you doing it for? If you've got a 10,000 gallons of lick manure and your pHs are low, you might need to do a aggressive tillage to get that all mixed together but ideally eventually you get that soil fixed you don't have to keep tilling it you, you know why would you till if you don't have to but you better earn, you got to earn the right all land is not suited to be no-till heavy, heavy soils and big equipment and compaction is a huge issue and so that's why we look at tillage with a purpose so that's the rules to biological farming and be you know dealing with chemical physical and biological well we're ready to wrap up you said you got one more thing to cover what else is going on? What else is, is called fun in farming. Farmers are blamed for a lot of things. And the fun in farming is not becoming a slave to agribusiness. The fun in farming is to be proud of what you do and make sure you're the guy that's not causing the problem. I don't know very many farmers that want to be the problem. They want to be the solution. And when they get involved in biological farming and they start taking charge of their land and they see earthworms and they see their life change and they see they get more efficient, they see better, healthier crops. And that's the part that people miss when they talk about regenerative or biological farming. It's the fun in farming comes back when they start taking charge of fixing their own land. Well, and I always like to talk about telling your ag story. Does that have a lot to do with having your fun in farming? Yes, and that's why I think farmers are still proud, and I think they, uh, like I said, they want to do a good job, and that's back to my fun in farming. I said, I, it's just amazing. I get around farmers. The first year, they're skeptical, and they might try something on 20 acres. And I said, the other thing now, BioAg as a company, we started doing, uh, with technology today, you can test out the products on your own farm. And we got GPS, and we got uh, equipment that we can measure, so you can put in a replicated plots on your own farm and run it for a few years. You can learn yourself. You don't have to listen to every 
salesman driving up and down the road. And I think that also is part of that putting fun back in agriculture and say, that works for me. I don't, that might work for somebody else, but that doesn't fit my farm. The secret is to finding how to make the next step on your farm to reduce your cost and grow healthier, better crops. Love the great insight on biological agriculture, better farming through better soil. And that was a Gary Zimmer. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Oconomowoc. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Picked that one specifically for this morning because I uh, started glancing outside when I got in the office uh, three, four hours ago, and it was fine. No precipitation. Now I look outside, and I've got snow on top of the the farm babe's truck. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. What did you say you've got in the thriving metropolis of Eden? I measured exactly an inch on the deck, and it's just that perfect to roll into a big snowball. It's perfectly sticky. Now, is that the heavier side of the snow? I thought places like Richland County were going to get the the heavier measurable stuff. Well, I'm not getting a lot yet this morning as far as snow wants, but I do see Reedsburg weighed in with an inch and a half. Wow. Okay. So there's more there. Uh, Beaver Dam, according to rainfall amounts, Probably is up into that range of an inch and a half or better, but everybody else has been pretty much on the light side. The activity we see is going to taper off in just a few more hours. I mean, still some light snow near La Crosse in far southeast Minnesota, more of it down into Iowa. Rain from eastern Iowa to northern Illinois 
and up toward the Milwaukee metro area. Snow otherwise moving through Madison, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, pulling away from Boston as well already this morning. The snow, that is, so it's going to move away from us this morning. What we see is kind of what we're going to get that inch, inch and a half in some spots uh, in that band. I'd put it right now from about southwest Wisconsin, maybe just south and east of Madison, up toward Fond du Lac and east where it's going to be a bit heavier. Otherwise, low pressure passes off to our south. Yeah, a little snow this morning, some rain further south. Later today, sunshine returns, so it may be a very slippery start with some light snow on the ground and the roadways. It should melt off pretty quickly today. The sun's going to help with that, and temperatures stay pretty mild. In fact, very nice, getting a bit closer to normal for Friday. Boy, that sounds really great hanging into the weekend, but low pressure spins up out of the south. I expect into Saturday, a low that swings up out of Oklahoma or Texas will be in northern Indiana. And what that's going to mean, especially in southeast Wisconsin, is some snow along the lakeshore from, say, Sheboygan down to Milwaukee. There could be some three, four, maybe five inches of almost snow rain slop mix as we head on into Saturday morning. The rest of us a whole lot lighter, but it comes with some breezes, so probably feeling more chilly and we can expect that uh, Saturday's temperatures won't be spectacularly warm, at least in eastern Wisconsin, a little nicer in the west at that time. I'll have forecast details right after this. I've been talking about getting your order in for Easter hams at Bavaria Sausage, but maybe you want to change it up. How about real kielbasa? Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage. You find them online, BavariaSausage.com. Check out their Facebook page, Bavaria Sausage. That's where you'll see the story of their fresh, coarse-ground kielbasa or their smoked kielbasa with just a little bit of garlic. I took uh, one of each home yesterday, and what you'll notice first compared to the kielbasa that you see at the regular grocery store, how much bigger the Bavaria sausage kielbasa are, and you can tell right away all the authentic old-world flavor. You can try it with potatoes, with onions, fry it up, bake it up in your oven, whatever you'd like to do as far as preparation is concerned, the flavors will be there. Don't forget, Bavaria Sausage open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, at the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. All right, buddy, let's have some more details on that forecast, whether I like it or not. Well, we're going to talk about some clouds and a little snow this morning. It will end in the next several hours, and then there'll be some clearing later today. More sun in the west than east, but it's going to brighten up. Most likely, we all stay in the low 40s today, and the north winds will be around 5 to 10. Overnight, partly cloudy, and we drop down into the upper 20s. The north winds about 5. Mostly sunny Friday, a beautiful way to end the week. A lot of mid-40s, maybe 48 at La Crosse and on toward Madison. A little cooler east-east winds about 5 to 10. But then Friday night, especially Madison and areas east, that chance of a little snow late with cloudy skies, maybe some rain mixing in, wet, heavy snow into Saturday. And uh, into Saturday, of course, with cloudy skies and stronger winds, I'd expect temps in the upper 30s, maybe warmer at La Crosse and Boston in the low 40s without too much snow. Uh, could be some one to three inch accumulations, Madison to Beaver Dam, and even toward Fond du Lac, like I said, heavier closer to the lakeshore. North winds on Saturday, Pam, 10 to 20, gusting to 30. So if we have a little snow, it's going to come in sideways. And, you know, slippery conditions, wet, not a real nice day for a lot of outdoor plans. Oh, well. All right. Well, we'll tie a knot and hang on. Supposedly spring, 
Uh-huh. I think not. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. You can paint a clearer picture for us on the weekend, okay? Oh, absolutely. Will do. See All you right. then. Okay, sounds good. Stumach, our ag meteorologist with the weather details, like we said. If you want to chime in, you're always welcome. Love to talk with you via our talk text line. Call it, text it, whatever is most comfortable for you. It'll end up landing with me. 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. We'll be chatting with our friend Ryan Yonkman uh, with Everag. Uh, this week we found out what the milk production figures were looking like. Wisconsin a little stronger, but milk production overall flat. What does Ryan see happening? This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Yankee across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to the dairy farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. And to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. You can rely on Blaine's Farm and Fleet for the best prices on just about everything. Like select 50-pound bags of Tribute Horse Feed, now $1 off. Stock up on select bags of Neutrina Feed. They're buy three, get one free. And 25-pound bags of Nutristart Lamb or Kid Non-Medicated Milk Replacer. Your choice, $49.99. For the best prices on the products you need, shop Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers Emsculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. Emsculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a play way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom. Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your.
Sweeping windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers. Like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment. Tom'sAutoCenter.com We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. With a getter fix, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to LiunaWisconsin.org slash join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Everyone's already anointing Luke Fickle like national champion. It well, seems yeah, like because he's such a better coach than Wisconsin has ever had. That's what I've been told. Is he though? That's what I've been told. We've been told that a lot. He hasn't coached yet. No, not here at least. No, not for Wisconsin. But I mean, he was national coach of the year. Mm-hmm. He did take uh, a a AC team to the college football playoffs. Cincinnati. Something no coach here has ever done. Yep. Um. Uh, and. Yeah, the well, he's he been winning. To, he's yeah, been winning all of the, you know, off, off the field, off season hearts and minds, right? Like he's done everything right with the transfer portal. He's done everything right since the time he got there, where he only had like what six to eight weeks in that left in that recruiting cycle, getting the players that he got, having the recruiting class that they did. He's won all the headlines in the off season. Mm-hmm. Now he's got to do it in the regular season. But I think, you know, expectations with a different system, a new coaching staff, a new weight staff, new everything coming in here, losing some guys, gaining some guys, looking at the schedule being more of a cupcake schedule. At a minimum, they got to win nine games to feel like that was a successful first season. Lit, Lit Bucky on Twitch says college football playoffs are bust. This is the year to go get them with that schedule. Yeah, and then after that, you get two new teams into the Big Ten. Things change. Yeah. UCLA and USC coming in. Things change. You have one big game, Ohio State, that's coming in. The thing that stinks is is unfortunately, if this was like year two or year three of the the fickle era and they were continuing to have success and, and, you know, we're this giddy after two or three years, too bad this wasn't the schedule they had before the Big Ten expanded. Yep. Obviously, you can't change that. The nope. UCLA and USC's of the world are coming in in 2024, and he gets one year with the Big Ten West. But man, I would I would have expectations of college football playoffs 
if this was like year two or three of Fickle and everything was going pretty well. Now, uh, Rowdy had sent this to us, and I saw it making its rounds before that as well, Big Ten coaching uh, coach rankings. And this was, uh, you know, coming from uh, a couple of publications. And they did the Big Ten coach rankings per, you know, a college football writer. Uh, number one was Jim Harbaugh. Number two was Ryan Day. And coming in for a Big Ten coach ranks, Luke Fickle, number three. Then it was James Franklin, four. Kirk Ferentz, five. Brett Bielema was sixth. Matt Rule, seventh. P.J. Fleck, eighth. Top of column two. Mel Tucker, ninth. Top of column two. And a boy, P.J., put it on a ring. Pat Fitzgerald, tenth. Uh, Loxley, eleventh. You have Shiano, twelfth. Allen, not t- Tim Allen, Tom Allen, thirteenth. And Ryan Walters at fourteenth. I disagree with some of this stuff. Like, it's actually kind of funny looking at the the coach rankings. Do you think Jim Harbaugh would have been number? Where do you think Jim Harbaugh would have been on this list if uh, we were doing it in twenty twenty? I mean, because he had yet to slay that Ohio State dragon, right? Be, and he was losing to Michigan State. Yeah. He was losing to Wisconsin. You think he'd be fifth just because of his I, name? No. I, you know, he's probably, yeah, I think he's still in the top five, but yeah. I think like, he's probably fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. I'd, I'd put, yeah, I'd put him behind Day. Uh, at the time, he'd be, be behind Christ. At the time, he'd be behind James Franklin. And Kurt Ferentz, so yeah, I guess so fifth. I, yeah, I, I look at this list. I actually think that the top, the top three is Maybe pretty sixth, legit because I think Pat Fitzgerald in twenty twenty would have been up there. Well, that's like this is where I'm getting. I think the top three are pretty legit. Like Jim Harbaugh, he's finally slayed his Ohio State dragon. Seems like he's climbed the hill. Ryan Day for everyone that wants to poo poo and fire Ryan Day, Who's dude. Poo? There was multiple oh, people that wanted there's him fired. Out there. How are we looking? That that That's might one be them. one of them. But it's like, dude, they've literally lost like one game the last two years, and it just happened to be Michigan. And oh yeah, by the way, before that, they reeled off like a hundred wins in a row against Michigan. Yeah. Like, chill out. I get it. If he loses, yeah, they dominated. Him. Yeah. If if they lose like two two more times in a row, then you're probably like ah. But still, the guy has won and and. I think you could say has put together some rosters with talent that might be the most talented Ohio totally. State teams that they've ever had. Yeah. And and they won national championships with Jim Trussell. They won national championship with Urban Meyer. Like the guy is not a bum. Yeah. And again, I said this before. If Ryan Day is ever fired and Luke Fickle decides to jump ship and go to Ohio State. Bring him here. I would Bring hire home? Ryan Day in a second yeah. to come to Wisconsin. Bring him home. But regardless. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. We're sticking with our friends from Everag on a Thursday morning. Ryan Yonkman's going to be stepping in, taking a look at all things dairy, including the latest milk production figures released for the month of February. We're also going to be checking in on what's going on as far as the global trade of dairy is concerned. Stick around for that. I'm PM Yankee. Really glad you're along with us again. I just want to remind you, today and tomorrow look like they're going to be pretty manageable as far as weather. But by the time we get to Saturday, things could definitely look different. Some of our weather forecasting calling for anywhere from three to five inches of snow that could accumulate on Saturday alone. So we'll try to get a better grip on that, especially tomorrow morning going into the weekend. So today is the 23rd day of March. I'll be honest, not a lot of big notable items that I could find for us on this day back in 1888. 
the football league met for the first time. Now, you and I think American football, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about football, basically soccer, meeting in England. England and Wales, the first two teams that got together for the oldest association football league. That started in 1888. In 1992, its top 22 teams formed the Premier League. So the first football league meeting happened between England and Wales on this day back in 1888. On this day back in 1985, piano man Billy Joel got married to American supermodel Christy Brinkley. They did it on a yacht that was anchored alongside the Statue of Liberty. Of course, they got divorced in 1994, but still remain close. And now you know. Well, we're keeping an eye on what's happening with Wisconsin weather, but we also should be keeping an eye on what's happening with the weather in California. They have seen some dramatic shifts from uh, parched, drought-like conditions they'd been living with for the past couple of years to now too much of a good thing. Heavy snowfall at higher elevations causing avalanches and, of course, torrential rains that have caused major flooding. While everyone in California is dealing with it, California farmers are really struggling. Right now is the time when they'd be getting ready for spring planting, but fields are flooded or saturated. And if you're in the dairy industry, it's also causing major headaches. Not only trying to make sure roads stay open so that you can ship your milk. In some cases, it means literally needing to evacuate your farm to save your livestock. Carrie Mess has more. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Tyler Ribeiro is a third-generation dairy farmer in Tulare County, California. He is no stranger to water woes, but usually it's a lack of water that keeps him up at night. However, over the last two weeks, that has changed as his area has been inundated with floodwaters. Tyler, tell me what is going on out there in the San Joaquin Valley where your farm is. The valley is a beautiful place. It can be. Uh, Right now, we seem to have a whole bunch of water. We were in a drought two weeks ago, and we had an amazing amount of snowpack in the mountains, which... We thought set us up for a fantastic year. However, we've got this crazy warm weather that came in all at once and melted a lot of that snowpack, which forced it down into the lakes, which forced it down the rivers and into us as a community. Tyler, tell me, how much water are we talking? How far above flood stage are you? Let's put it this way. Um, Our river can hold about 5,400 CFS, and that is absolutely pushing it. We were at about 10,000 CFS. So it was going to crest somewhere. We just happened to have banks that broke out and it didn't go over. It went through is is what happened in some areas. There's some areas where it went over. The area next to us, it broke the riverbank and it really, really emptied out there. You've shared some of that footage on social media and I'll go ahead and embed those posts into the online story so people can see just what kind of devastation there is out there right now. So your farm is okay, but neighbors are not. So what's been going no. on? So uh, let, me, let me give you a picture of what some of the people are seeing out here or dealing with. Neighbor next to us, he got the brunt of it. It broke right above his place. And we were watching it all night. Then out of nowhere, it rose by feet in a matter of minutes. 
We had animals that were up to their bellies in water. We had houses that had water in it. Uh, by the next day, there there was even more feet of water. It was we were wading in water trying to get heifers out of pens. But it didn't stop there, right? It blew through the place and went down and eroded roads, destroyed riverbeds, and we tried to control what we could, but you can only do so much. I've never seen that much water in my life, and to watch it blow through what was a quarter-acre field, probably in length, in a matter of maybe less than an hour, and make its way to the next farm, and from there it just kept going. Uh, We had highways that were shut down, so they were directing the freeway off of the freeway to avoid the flood that floodwaters that were crossing the freeway, and they were shooting it all off into the rural areas. And these poor people were lost trying to get out, trying to get around. There wasn't enough people directing traffic. We had people out here circling for an hour trying to get around the floodwaters. And that was just in my two, three miles worth of of floodwaters. This water broke above us. This water broke below us. People were breaking levees just to relieve pressure. But when you break a levee, with every action, there's a reaction. So somebody else was getting flooded. It was just a matter of where can we put this water that's going to do the least amount of damage? How fast can we get this water to drain? How do we minimize risk to life, to property? And how do we do it as fast as possible? That was California dairy farmer Tyler Ribeiro. Tyler says that beyond the challenges this flood is presenting right now, there's also a lot of concern over if any of the spring crops many farms were depending on after the long drought will be salvageable. You can hear more of this story on our podcast and see some of the footage Tyler shared with us on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Well, the calendar tells us that we're into the spring of 2023, even if our forecast doesn't necessarily feel like it. Maybe you're like me. Have you started to notice that more birds are coming north? Well, that's both a good sign and a cautionary sign. That's according to Dr. Darlene Conkle, our Wisconsin State Veterinarian at the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. She says with the spring migratory period for wild birds underway, poultry owners have to make sure that they're stepping up their biosecurity measures, both in larger operations as well as backyard flocks. We're expecting a hike in cases come spring. High periods of waterfowl migration make the risk a little higher because the birds that could be carrying the virus are now in southern parts of the United States and in South America. And some of those waterfowl, many of those waterfowl will be moving up through our state in the coming weeks. So there's just a higher probability that there might be more virus out there while there's lots of birds migrating through. So we do expect to see more. And that's why we're just encouraging people to be aware of it, not to be afraid, but to be aware of it and to practice good biosecurity. 
So they're definitely on high alert at the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture about avian influenza. And again, if you've got birds, remember it's not just about chickens. It's any kind of poultry, any kind of fowl that could fall prey to the avian influenza. Make sure that you have stepped up those biosecurity measures. She also notes that if you are noticing your birds acting funny or coming down with illness or unexplained death, they're asking you to call their hotline and report that. 800-943-0003. That's 800-943-0003. No zeros on the board this morning as far as Chicago is concerned. In fact, gaining a little ground overnight. Right now, December corn's up a half a cent at 555. November beans are up a nickel, 1277. July wheat, that's currently seven cents higher, 681 and a half. The dairy markets yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped a penny and a quarter to 194. 40-pound block cheese on Wednesday was up three at 201 and a half, but double-A butter dropped two and a quarter cents to 238 and a half per pound. April milk right now is down to 1934 a hundredweight. May milk's unchanged at 1867. Alrighty, hang on here just a little bit. I'm going to catch up with Ryan Yonkman from Everag, talk a little bit about the latest milk production figures for the United States and the globe, and also find out how the global dairy trading has been going this week. He's joining us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Are you suffering from hair loss, bald spots, receding hairlines? There's a new solution for men and women that uses regenerative medicine to stimulate hair follicles and give you thicker, fuller hair with no surgery. This remarkable treatment is now available here from the regenerative specialists at QC Kinetics. That's right. The same protocols that help relieve joint pain can be used to give new life to dormant hair follicles. QC Kinetics medical professionals can use growth factors from your own body, concentrated and applied to your scalp, restoring hair follicles, preventing further loss, and increasing hair growth. Imagine thicker, fuller hair with no expensive surgery and no downtime. So if you're losing your hair due to aging, pattern baldness, or a medical condition, call now to learn more about exciting natural biologic treatments, regenerative medicine that can stimulate those dormant hair follicles. Get your hair growing naturally again. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. You can rely on Blaine's Farm and Fleet for the best prices on just about everything, like 50-pound bags of Waukesha Sure Tread Barn Line, just $3. Rewards members pay $2.25. Balin's six-rail utility gates, now 15% off. And 50-gallon square liquid transfer tanks from Apex, made of rugged reinforced 14-gauge steel construction, on sale $299.99. Rewards members pay $279.99. For the best prices on the products you need, shop Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. Over the past 15 years, Window World has donated more than $15 million to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We have also supported the Veterans Airlift Command with over 120 flights. We have a strong belief in giving back and want to thank everyone who has chosen Window World for their home's renovation. When you go with Window World, you're doing a lot more than remodeling. Call us today. From her mouth 
to the field's ears. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Let's get right to it. A lot of ground to cover. Ryan Yonkman, broker analyst with Everag, good enough to join us on this uh, soggy-looking Thursday morning. We'll get to weather, not our weather, but weather elsewhere. First, Ryan, let's kick it off with the recently released numbers. Milk production in the United States, we're not seeing a lot of action there. Wisconsin was up just a sliver. The United States as a whole, what, up less than 1%? Were you surprised at all? Uh, we were not actually, we were coming in at 0.8% and lo and behold, we actually hit it right on. So a pretty neutral report in our eyes, you know, cow numbers up 37,000 animals year over year. Um, so we're still dealing with some more milk, more animals than we did a year ago. You know, we see that still with surplus milk trading four to 11 under this week's AMS report. Um, so not a big surprise there, uh, bullish nor bearish. You know, one thing about what we saw, you know, there's always that that delay. And now uh, Ryan and I were talking about how this weather situation that continues in California and other areas of the western United States. Ultimately, Ryan, that's also got to be factored in when it comes to milk production, maybe as soon as our March numbers, huh? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, we've learned it's a much bigger event um, in news for us to talk about and feel bad for some of those dairies. You know, we know at least 10 herds that have had to evacuate, move average, move milk cows, go from 3X to 2X. Um, it's bigger news than it is probably a market event at this point. When you try to pencil how much milk might be lost or, or come off due to this, uh, it's probably a decimal point. Um, bigger deal is something like, you know, hey, a plant went down for a few days and that happened. Um, and it sounds like that's back up and running. But a much bigger deal for the people there. Um, it is definitely not bearish milk production, right? It is going to take some out of there, but it's hard for us to view this as a big U.S. event. Really? Okay, well, then we'll uh, kind of keep an eye on what's happening there and see. Now, like you said, everybody's got an individual story. I just was intrigued since Tulare is one of the biggest dairy-producing counties in California. They seem to be getting kind of the lion's share of that moisture. Yeah, no, it's it's no doubt. When you're talking about, you know, a lake that hasn't been filled in 100 years, potentially filling up and more rain coming, it is no doubt a soggy situation and creating some issues. Um, like I said, just in this moment, hard to pencil that to be a huge U.S. event in regards to, you know, say a reason this market goes to right now bullish. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what you've been observing as far as market movement is concerned, Ryan. You know, uh, just taking a look at what's happening with Class 3. They have a tendency to react pretty quickly sometimes. What have you noticed there? Yeah, so we've had a fantastic rally here over the last two weeks. We've taken, uh, you know, April through June time frame right in front of our faces uh, up about $2 a hundred weight from low 17s here to low to mid-19s now. Uh, this really was, was pretty unprecedented. There was no obvious news to inspire it. This was post, you know, the California um, flooding. Uh, so really what we can kind of pencil it down to is we had some very good demand when cheese was in the 150 to call it, you know, 170s area. And we were trading 10 to 20 loads a day on the exchange. Uh, so we think we just found a pocket of a of really, really good demand uh, and naturally tightened this U.S. market up and kind of created this quick pocket where seasonally demand starting to pick up anyway. You can start talking grilling season already. Uh, and we found this just kind of gap where we were able to jet back up here to almost $2 cheese. Uh, the flip side is we struggle to see this being sustainable, uh, you know, here in the short term for the next 
you know, three, four or five weeks. Uh, when you consider the rest of the world is trading one to two dollars below us, we still have the surplus milk floating around. And outside the California situation, in theory, we've got a little more milk coming at us seasonally. Um, so we view this as a right now opportunity for dairies who are uncovered to be establishing, you know, new sales, uh, new option plays right in front of their face in Q2. Yeah. No, you are exactly right. I mean, what we, kind of an anomaly, I guess we'd say, as far as recent activity, the global picture as far as U.S. dairy trading has not been nearly as exciting, has it? No, we had a GDT on Tuesday, uh, I think it was down about 2.6%. You know, when you look at the, you know, us versus everybody else, right now we're sitting at the top of the world in class three. Uh, at about a 1970 price, New Zealand around 1780, Europe around 18 half. Class four, a little more competitive. We're about 18. New Zealand is sub 17, and Europe's about 18, so a little more of a push there. Um, but yeah, things are still pretty stale globally. Hard to get too excited right now at this point. Got to ask you, and I don't want to kick your legs out from underneath you, Ryan, but there's a big effort. You talk about Europe. One area I've been monitoring is the Netherlands, uh, talking about big money to basically buy out a huge chunk of their dairy population. Just It's all about climate change, and they just want to eliminate dairy. If you don't take the bid, they'll find a way to get the cows anyhow. Is that being talked about, those kinds of movements being talked about at all? Uh, it's being talked about being watched. Uh, any type of policy or thing like that matters. You know, we came into the year of Europe as kind of a place that's got a lid on it already through that policy. And sure enough, we're all a bit surprised by how much milk is being produced there right now. You know, is there up around 2% or so? Um, but yeah, th those things matter. Um, you start putting lids on places like Europe that make, you know, almost 2x what the United States does. Uh, matters big time. So we are watching it. It's just a matter of you know, is this all hearsay or how quickly do these animals start leaving? Um, so we'll keep a pulse on it. Excellent. Brian Yonkman, along with us again, one of the staff that you want to talk to when it comes to these decisions from Everag. Give us an update, Ryan, on how they can contact you, uh, get in touch with some of your staff. Which uh, arteries do you suggest? You bet. Uh, you can hit, go to our website, ever.ag. Uh, find our information there. You can call into our hard line, 312-492-4200. Follow us on social media. Uh, we are everywhere, so <laughs> come find us. All right. Good enough, buddy. Thank you very much, Ryan, again, for getting up with us uh, this early on a Thursday. Great content. Never out of things to talk about. We'll catch up with you next time. All right. Thank you. All right, Ryan Yonkman again joining us live this morning. Uh, like you said, a lot of different elements that are influencing these dairy markets, not the least of which, of course, is the weather that's uh, still devastating California dairy. Think about them today. We'll catch up with you tomorrow.